And hello, Ooh, it's a Halloween special. We, Lewis, films on nineteen ninety one. You know how it is. This is episode six six six. Toy soldiers will have to wait if you listen to the last episode. And uh, I know that the actual number for Satan isn't six 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 anymore because scientifically it's not that. I can't remember what number they just said that it was, but you know. But, you know, it looks cooler than the actual, actual one. So, I decided to pull this out, the hat, after I came across Dolly Dearest completely by accident. So, we'll start, we'll go with the details. So, like I said, this is Dolly Dearest. It's directed by Maria Lise. And the cast includes Denise Crosby, Rip Torn, Sam Bottoms, Chris Demetral, I think that's how you say it. Candace Houston or Hudson, Lupe Ontiveros, and like I said, yes, I came across this completely by accident. I was looking for a creepy doll film to watch, which you know is a perfectly normal thing to do. And for full disclosure information, I actually watched when I was looking for one. I actually watched. Now this is what it was called when I came across it. But I think it might have been called a different name in other translations or what's or such like. Um, it's called Suddenly in Dark. And it's an eighties, an early eighties uh, South Korean picture, um, creepy doll sort of stuff. It's fantastic. I recommend you watch it. I might actually, I'll put the link actually for watching it for people as a bonus. You know, can have enough creepy doll films for Halloween. So. I actually am so glad that I made the decision to watch and review this now for Halloween. This is really fun and quite the atmospheric piece of art, actually. It's not gory at all, despite it being listed as a slasher horror, which it doesn't share much with that. Um, and speaking of sharing, this apparently was some of the inspiration behind Annabelle films which are part of the whole conjuring verse, if you will. Um, if you don't know the Annabelle films, again, creepy doll, basically. And there's definitely similarities when it comes to Dolly Dearest and Annabelle. Actually, I would say more the correlation between them two than there is between Annabelle and, say, Child's Play, like Chucky, which we'll actually get to later on as well. Because... Um, it's not necessarily about... Well, with Chucky... Actually, we'll get to that later. I'll save that for... In a bit. But, um... And I should also say, like... Because I don't know if I really talked about me and horror films before with Popcorn. A couple episodes back. But, um... 
in horror films. I mean, it's one of those things. I never really was massively into them when I was younger. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, when you're, uh, especially when you get in, when you're about to get into your teen years, you know, there's always that with other kids. It's like, oh, have you seen this? Oh, have you seen that? You know, a lot of the time that was for Pulp Fiction, actually. That was the film that everyone was like, oh, have you seen Pulp Fiction? Oh my God, well, he cuts off the ear and all that. and Cuts off the ear. Cuts off the ear. Does he cough in here? Why about, <laughs> I can't even I've seen Pulp Fiction so many times. I'm trying, and I'm like, did the guy get his ear cut off? I can't even mind. That's terrible. Oh, that's bad. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, that was the film. Um, and yeah, there were some horror films. I think Saw, when that came out, a lot of people were like, oh, have you seen Saw? Oh, I can actually say when he cuts his arm off. Um, but uh, you know, do you want to play a game? All that that was massive. Um, a scream, I guess. That might have been a bit early on for me and my fellow friends who were children. <laughs> so it's odd. <laughs> okay, I'll stop right there. Anyway, so but as I got older, I've actually got a lot more into them. Um, you know, I particularly like cheap horror films. Ones that are made in like the eighties, specifically, um, or as the case in point for this, especially this whole podcast is based on early nineties. Don't get me wrong; I like horror films. After I like more and more stuff, I like you know psychological stuff, I like stuff on a message, I like you know slasher stuff, cheesy stuff, whatever. But I don't know. There's something about that eighties to early nineties horror film where it's just like they just it seemed like they didn't really care. I kind of like that both in a philosophical level and in a money and effects level like don't get me wrong there's some films which have absolutely amazing effects but there's some where it's just it's like what? but anyway on with the show so again just like with a lot of films I've already talked about before this has a visibly low budget however unlike other films we've reached so far Blue Tornado, the last episode being one of them. This has made all the better for it. It's, from what I can see, 99% practical effects, which of course I love. And also the, the 1% of not practical effects is right at the beginning. And then it's not, not alluded to at all throughout the rest of the film. It's not used again, uh, which I appreciate as well. And even though, like, there's practical events, practical effects, sorry, with the doll itself, with Dolly, um, the focus of the film is actually less on the doll itself physically. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of that, but it's not really, it's more on the effect it's having on the family and the surrounding peoples. You know, because there's a lot of, so... I'll get to the um, actors' specific performances later on, but um, with regards to Kansas Hudson or Hudson or Hudson, I take in. You figure it out <laughs> anyway. Um, she plays Jessica. Uh, that uh, wait, uh, there's, I'm going to say something about the name, but later on. But anyway, so she's the one who has Dolly, right? Um, I'll get into the story a little bit more, but there's plenty of times where she's just sat with the doll, and the doll is just perfectly normal. 
and then the camera will cut away, cut back, and the doll's head will have moved. But because they don't show the head moving, I mean, they do at times, as the film goes on, they do that more, but in the early goings, they don't, in sort of that way where you're kind of, you have that sense of, well, is this, is the doll actually doing stuff, or is it just that when, or is the wee girl turning the head? Because also, in the beginning, the you know, Candice's uh, character Jessica says, you know, at one point is talking to her ma, played by um, Dee's Crosby, who's great as always, and is saying, "Oh, Dolly said, oh, Dolly said this, oh, Dolly said that." But obviously, we don't know if Dolly actually said. That. But it's just it's that way where it's like, oh, it's either it's just oh, it's just a wee girl playing for a doll, or it's like, or is that doll actually communicating with her? And is it physically communicating, or is it telepathically, or what have you? You know. But so I I kind of like that. I like that. I like that way where it's okay. Yes, it's all about a demonic doll, right? But also, is it actually demonic? I mean, spoilers. Of course, it bloody is, but. You know, the lead up, you're not quite sure. And you could also say that it's a commentary on whether it's right to keep disturbing stroke uh, excavating long buried uh, tombs or crypts. So, and I mean, do I want to spoil? Well, I'll try not spoil, but basically, you know, there's this whole thing to do with a crypt or tomb and it's disturbed and you know oh spirits and all that and you know back in the you know back when like archaeology became a massive sort of there was a rush to discover the histories of ourselves from maybe the 19th into the 20th century there was a massive swell of going out to the pyramids of Egypt um, you know to the jungles of the Amazon, you know, and looking for Incan, Mayan, Aztec, ancient Egyptian, and then you've got the dynasties of China and the you know the dynasties of Japan, and it goes on and on. And you know, in Europe, even you know the Viking burials, you know, on the islands of like Orkney or Shetland. Then you've got you know the Vikings in Denmark, conquistadors, all this, you know, and then there's obviously. You know, the Zulu tribe and everything, like... And a lot of the time... Actually, all the time, at that point, especially... You know, it was... You know, it was some rich white dude... Mostly, like, English... Going off and just digging it up. Was permission asked? Was it? Was it not? You know... It's just one of those things where it's like... Uh, as much as it's great that we now know a lot of things because of that, at the same time, it's like, did we need to be as evasive as we were as a human species? But that's uh, another subject for a different sort of podcast, I imagine. But anyway, and there's also, I there's plenty of commentary, actually. I think throughout the film, um, there's a relationship between the US and Mexico and the white man sticking his nose and money maybe where he shouldn't. Um, also there's the question of religion and demonising of other beliefs they're not your own 
And I might have read a bit too much into all of it, but that's what a review is all about, isn't it? So I'll just touch on this. So the main family in question basically moved from the States to Mexico uh, because the dad has, and I think I've got this right, he basically has bought a toy factory and he's going to start making dollies. Yeah, that's right. And here stems all issues. But there's, in the early goings, there's a lot of, oh, I was promised this, this looks like a piece of crap. And the guy's like, oh, no, it's great, you know, whatever. And there's that way where, is it really going to benefit the community? You know, does it really have to be an American to do this? And why did it close down in the first place? I can't imagine it was just because no one would buy it. Because the dolls look in good quality, by the way. And they're big. But I think I'll go touch on that later on as well, to do the size of the doll. And there's also the religion thing. So there's all there's a big, obviously, thing to do with um, Catholicism and Christianity. Um, and obviously, if there's demons around, they ain't going to appreciate that sort of chat. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, especially, I don't know if everyone's seen the documentary about that, the Church of Satan, um, where, you know, there's long held the belief that Satan is necessarily evil, it's all evil is Satan, but it's like, well, there's uh, this whole religion that's built on it, it's like, well, no, it's not, he's perfectly peace-loving. The thing is, it's, it's all about inter interpretation, right? And I'm not saying that we should praise the demonic doll. I mean, there's probably plenty of people who do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, you butter your bread how you want to butter it, you know. But, um, you know, crap. I mean, just... It says, oh, interpretation, but it's immediately that jumping of the gun. Basically, it's that immediately of, oh... Well, this is this this is already bad. This is definitely bad. I know right from the off because because of what I believe in, that means that's bad. It's like well, that's not necessarily how it goes. But anyway, again, that's probably a different sort of podcast. But I just wanted to think. I just wanted to say that I think that actually some comments on a lot that you could really actually delve into has a lot of talking points around it. And so the story itself is a classic one, as I alluded to, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that you understand where it's going and what it's doing. And it's about more, and I think I've said this before about other previous films, it's more about how they tell it and the dressing of it, if you will. So the way that it's you know, physically rendered, the way it's pictured, the way it's framed, um, the way it's acted. Now, you know, like I said, classic tale, disturbing of a crypt, demons unleashed, oh, Dolly ain't, ain't good no more, Dolly influences one child, Oof, and then we're off. Hijinks, you know, horror, creepy stuff ensues. People die. Then, you know, there's all an argument about, please don't disturb the crypt no more. Oh, but I need to, it's my job. Please don't go back to the dolly factory, da. Oh, but I need to, because it's now my job. And, uh, you know, oh, you're making things up. Oh, you're not making things up. Oh, you're seeing things. Oh, you're hearing things. Oh, but she's changed, I'm telling you. If you're only there, if only you were there. Yes, if only I was there, but I wasn't. And I don't believe you. You know, all that. Um, and of course, like I mentioned earlier as well, 
when it comes to dolls and horror, Chucky from Child's Play always gets brought up and used as an exemplar. Much like how I described in the last episode between Blue Tornado and Top Gun. However, apart from the fact it's a toy doll and that it's about an inhabiting spirit, different sort of spirit though, I will add, I don't see much similarities. You know, Dolly for one doesn't swear at all. Um, and the kills are nowhere near as gruesome nor bloody as Chucky's ever have been. There's not very much killing, actually. There's bodily harm, don't get me wrong, but there's not actually any massive amount of killing. And the only... And actually, thinking about it, Dolly only kills two, I think? The first one, the first kill you could say is more the spirit than the doll. So you could say it's technically the doll, but whatever. And then, I'm trying to think, there was one kill I've forgotten about. Oh, is there not another one which, like, not even... I can't remember that. I think there might be another one, but it has nothing to do with anything. Oh, I've completely forgotten. But anyway. Um, also, the effects used to bring the doll to quote-unquote life are mostly facial effects and using a body double for the body movement, which makes sense because Dolly, as I was alluding to before, is actually a much bigger doll than Chucky was. So Chucky's like a you know an average-sized baby doll, really, whereas Dolly's like old-school, big-ass doll. It's quite funny because at one point, the doll and... Jessica are stood next to each other, and they're pr- nearly almost the same size. And Jessica, I think, is supposed to be... Oh, it's hard to say age-wise. I would hazard a guess at maybe, like, six. Either side of that, maybe. Probably more six, seven, I would say. But again, it's like, the doll's big, you know. And so that means that when there's moments where, you know, things are happening in the background behind the person in the forefront of the of the image... And say they're in a the warehouse, which happens a lot in this film. You know, as goings on in the background, you can have Dolly run around and that be a child dressed up as Dolly doing that. And it makes sense because, well, the doll is practically, Dolly's practically the size of a child who could walk and run with ease and climb and everything. Um... And, you know, also with the facial expressions, like Chucky, I know has plenty. But, I don't know, I feel like Chucky's a lot more... I don't know. I need to watch that film. I haven't watched Child's Play in years. But if I remember rightly, the movements are very, like, staccato. Because of... The way the doll is. Right? Because it's more... There's more of this... It's funny, actually. It's more the spirit inhabits the doll... And has to work within the confines of a doll. Whereas Dolly Dearest is... That Dolly is... Because that's everything. She don't give it a name. She just calls it Dolly. Which I kind of appreciate. You know, it kind of removes the personality from it. It's just as glacate... Oh, sorry, it's a Scottish word. Um, you go look it up. It's glacate face. And there's like nothing going on there. So... It's, but so the spirit is the one that's making it run like a human being, you know, and making it have these facial expressions that are like, obviously not fit for the doll's face. 
which is part of the practical effects, which I really love. I actually love the facial expressions. They're proper, like, nasty looking. I like that. Um, and, you know, as I was, you know, that, that obviously what I'm saying there is stuff that sort of happens later on, but at first, everything with Dolly's is very subversive, it's subtle, and it's only later on when it ramps up and becomes more active in its actions. And as I've said to do with like the lack of you know, murder that happens in this and the more that it's more atmospheric, Dolly's actions are much more mischievous than horrid. You know, of course, if you ignore the kills, you know, that is, but there aren't, like I said, there aren't many. And it does pose this question, which I was kind of alluding to earlier, which is of why is registered as a slasher? Like, I looked up the description on Google and that, it's like slasher horror, and I'm like, I think that it missells and misrepresents it. it. Sorry. Because it's not that at all. Like, I, when I think of slasher films, I think of Friday the 13th. I think of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think of Halloween, although with Halloween, I would say, yes, it is technically really kind of slasher, but I would say it's much more atmospheric, the first one especially. It's so atmospheric. That's what I actually love about the first Halloween film. It's actually the one time, well, not the one time, but one of the first proper scares I got was in Halloween where um, Jamie Lee Curtis's characters going around the house seems perfectly, um, I can't remember at the point, I think she's running away from Myers at this point and the house is completely silent and there's no lights on at all and she goes into his room it's that way where, you know, you're looking around, you can't see anything. As she backs into this doorway, which I think is into a cupboard, and it's completely pitch black. So the rest of the surroundings is, like, lit by moonlight, let's say. So it's kind of bluish, and so you can see. But then the door is pitch black, as she just edges. It's just sort of paces back into it, obviously, to hide into. And then it's not a jump scare. That's what the thing that gets me. It's just Mike Myers slowly, his face slowly appears in the moonlight out of the pitch blackness, uh, oh my god, I absolutely crap myself, that was great, anyway, sorry, but, um, you know, this one, this film, Dolly Dearest, it's, it's more psychological and eerie vibes, than just, you know, flesh offered up to be slashed, of course there are slash films that are more than that, but you know, so like I said with Halloween, is, you know, you could say a slasher, but it really is very atmospheric, and it's more about foreboding this, right? And the same with Nightmare on Elm Street, like, as much as Slasher, it's also about dreams. It's about the idea of sleep. It's about the idea of, you know, somebody coming back who's a horrible, you know, bastard and going, well, I can't haunt you physically. Well, I'll haunt you in your dreams then. You know? And then with Friday the 13th, yes, again, that's a massive, you know, Slasher film, but again, it's about... I mean, I, I don't want really to spoil the first one. Um, but, you know, it's all about heartbreak. It's all about familial ties. It's all about, you know, grief, really. But, moving on. So, let's talk about the performances. So, the performances are all pretty solid. The two kids in it. Uh, like I mentioned, Candice Hudson and Chris Demetral, who's going to be in... Two, Chris Demetral, anyway, who's going to be two more films from 91. Uh, 
another horror film, funnily enough, uh, Stephen King one, Sometimes They Come Back, great name, and uh, definitely a very different vibe, Going Under, which is a comedic film, looks like. So you'll get to see his pleasurable support performance in others. Um, and they're the standouts, though. Um, they were nominated for Saturn Award for Best Performance by a Younger Actor, being by the kid from Terminator 2, which, you know, I get. Um, what's funny, though, is... Uh, so in that same awards, Saturn Awards... There is the award for best horror film, which was won by Silence of the Lambs, which, again, that makes complete sense. But the other film, one of the other films that was nominated was Child's Play 3. So you go, synergy, right? So there's three other films that you look forward to me reviewing. Now, I just want to point out here, this has nothing to do with anything, but I have meant to say that the stuff that's the bigger films from 91, is not going to be for ages with me, because loads of people have done it, right? Loads of people have talked about it. Terminator 2, Science of the Lambs, maybe less so Child's Play 3, but you know. So that's not going to be till much later on. I mean, this is episode 666, right? So I've got, oh, how many episodes have I done so far? 21. So 21 minus 666. Oh, we're doing maths live. How about that? So that's 641. Right, so, is that right? Yeah, 641? So, take one off that then. So, 640. No, that don't make sense. Oh, I think I mucked up. No, it's 645. Oh, my days. So, I've got 644. 644 episodes to go. So even in all, even in that amount of episodes, I ain't gonna be doing T two um, lambs who have been silenced, but I might do Child's Play three. <laughs> there you go. That's basically what I'm saying. Anyway, now I've actually gone off award recognition as I've gotten older, mainly due to the fact that you suddenly realise that it's all opinion based and completely subjective. So it's like, how do these people know more than other people, right? And also, as you've seen with recent. Award ceremonies, woof, you know, rough, right? One with how the voters are made up, you know, demographically and all that. And secondly, like, and this argument, I, well, one argument is that it's, you know, it's stuff that no, not the mass population has seen, right? But my thing is actually more that it's always concentrated around films that released from autumn through to winter, because the worst summer is in, like the Oscars are in January. I think that's absolute bull crap. Absolute crap. Are you kidding me? You're voting on films from the whole year, right? So why the hell are you then just going, well, if you release it from September through to December, you'll get my vote, most likely. No, I'm sorry. Some of the best films, you know, doesn't matter where they come out. You should be voting for all of them. I just think that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. But anyway. Again, I'm going off the sidetrack, but if you listen to if you're a regular sir, you're very used to that. Anyway. So but anyway, so aside from my opinions of the you know, awards, the kids are excellent. Candace uh Hudson as Jessica is absolutely brilliant as a sweet little kid who becomes ever more attached to Dolly and ever more quote unquote demonic. 
And also the whole Jessica thing. So Angela Lansbury recently passed away. Here's another sidetrack for you. She recently passed away and look, Murder, She Wrote was fantastic, okay? I love Murder, She Wrote. Just as much as, well, no, actually, I love Diagnosis Murder more. But I do love Murder, She Wrote. But there's a character in Murder, She Wrote when they start doing episodes from where she lives in Cabot Cove or wherever. She has this neighbour. I can't even remember the neighbour's name. But he's this gruff guy. I don't even know what his job is. Is he the doctor? I think he's a doctor or some surgeon retired or whatever. It's the way he says, uh, so Angela Lansbury's name's, uh, character's name is Jessica Fletcher, right? <laughs> it's the way he says, Jessica! Jessica! So anytime this was on and they were saying Jessica, there was a tiny bit of me where they're like, oh, they were actually saying it like that. So I, I kept hearing that in my head. So I thought we were going to get a, a side plot with um, that this was how Jessica Fletcher started out, was that she got possessed by a doll. <laughs> and then, you know, and they grew up to write crime novels and then to solve crimes because of that absolutely horrific traumatic experience. But anyway, uh, the other poor is Chris Demeral, Demetral, Demetral, is that perfect blend of inquisitive child and slightly obnoxious. And, but not too much though, right? Uh, you know, he's, he's a classic older brother, but not in the, he's not majorly bullying. He's just a little bit nitpicky, which I kind of liked. And, like, he's, you know, just wants to get involved with stuff. I uh, will give a special mention also to Rip Torn, because it's Rip Torn. You can't you mention, you can't talk about a film that has Rip Torn in it and not talk about Rip Torn. Rip Torn does Rip Torn things. He comes in, does his job, gets out. And he's great at it. Also, that's a cracking name, right? I mean, that's just a wicked name. Um, But, I also, I've got to say, I didn't look this up, I should have, but uh, I might... I'll say in the next episode, I'll see if I can remember to say, but I also love the changes of voice when it comes to Dolly. There's the sweet, innocent, like, candy voice when Dolly starts to initially call out Jessica, like, Jessica, come on, play with me, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it then turns more raspy, out of the voice of Reagan, out of The Exorcist, <clears throat> you know, like that. Until it goes uh, full demon a la Dave Grohl Satan from uh, the... Well, it depends. You could either go from... Oh, no, from Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, which, by the way, is a absolute banger of a film. It was so... It was so mistreated when that film came out. But that's a banger. You could say it's a kind of a Halloween film. You know, it's got blooming Satan in it. Um, you always got that demon voice. Um... Because I think in the greatest song in the world, it's even though it's Dave Grohl playing Satan, is it not still Jack Black doing the voice in the music video? Play the greatest song, you know all that. Anyway, um, and that actually brings me to another point. So I re actually recently watched Studio Five Six Six Six, which is you know the story by Dave Grohl along with all the rest of Foo Fighters, obviously. Rest in Paradise, Taylor Hawkins, um, which is you know the film about the you know the, it's their tenth album. They want to record it. So new has to be somewhere different. You know it has to be real standout. So long story short, they end up with this like derelict house, which turns out murders happened, demonic possessions, that sort of shit, and that film was too long. That film was too long. Dolly Dearest, on the other hand, was the perfect length. 
It knew exactly what it was doing, and it got on with it. Well, Studio 666 was like, basically for me, there's a, there was like a chunk at the start, which is like, you just hack that all away. Just completely clip that all away. Have him have the writer's block. Have him have the... There's a funny bit where he's doing the Foo Fighters riffs, and he's like, oh, check this out. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and you're just like... Yeah, that's a funny thing, because we've got so many riffs. Why You probably would end up playing the same riffs over and over again. But it's just a massive chunk where it's like, you don't need all this. Anyway, whereas Dolly just is like, no, nah, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, on we go. And the music as well was pretty good, too. Just the right amount of eerie, but cool. Like, the song right at the start I actually really liked. And it didn't interfere too much. There's, um... There's quite a lot of horror films where the music's just like, nah, too much. So that's why, you know, with Japanese horrors kind of held up for that, you know, when The Ring first came about and The Grudge and all that. Where there's no music before the scare. Because a lot of films, there's a... And then it happens. You know, with Jaws it works a bit differently because... It, well, it's just, it's John Williams. So you can allow him that, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. But... Or even um, Psycho. But that's in... But you could say with Psycho, that's in the midst of the... You know, action actually happening. is having the music. And it's like... Huh, 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 which is fantastic as well. But I just think that sometimes there's overplayed of the... You know, whereas... In like... In a lot of Japanese horror films... I mean, more Western ones now, but a lot of Japanese films... It's just like, there's absolute silence. And then bang! And you're like, oh, you absolutely crap yourself. <laughs> um... And then, you know, I will say that the few downsides uh, were that, as and as I said before, that Dolly wasn't evil enough towards the end because you're waiting for it to ramp up. And yeah, Dolly ramps up, you know, gets more evils, showing who she really is. And there was an interesting thing to do with the possessions, the demonic possessions as well. I said plural. Which I kind of liked. Because I don't know if in Chucky they did that. I remember at one point they do end up at the factory where Chucky is made. But I don't think what happens in Dolly Dearest happens in that. I might be wrong. But I kind of appreciated that because I was like, yeah, if it's a spirit, a spirit can pass through. I mean, you must get what I'm saying, right? But anyway, I just feel like at the end it should be like really like just full on absolute absolute evilness like just the, the just the tip top <laughs> the apex of evil but didn't really go there that was probably a budgetary thing more than anything and also this is a spoiler so be prepared for this but the spoiler is the dad didn't die right i actually think that would have been a great oh shit moment to really end it on also because he's an arse throughout the whole film i'm sorry he doesn't even believe his wife he, you know, just thinks his kid's a bit funny with the doll. It's like, oh, but it's the doll, you know, all that, whatever. Also, he doesn't trust his son enough. But anyway, you know, I also just think that would have been a great, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Whereas, you know, you're a bit like, well, that's how I guess it ended. That's how I guess it would end, really. But anyway, um, there's, so a few other quick notes. There's so many cat scares in this. There's so many like, oh, it's just a cat. Oh, it's just a cat. Oh, there's so many. I couldn't even count, but there was just so many. I don't think I don't even know if it's the same cat. Actually, I think it might be different cats. But anyway, uh, what uh, the end shot is really interesting because so they're basically long a long shot on the end, 
and they zoom in and the whole time I'm really peering because I'm like, are they trying to make out that there's a silhouette there or not? If you watch it, you'll know what I mean. Uh, but it was totally like, oh, okay. You're leaving a little bit of suspicion, but not. I kind of like that. Um, I, okay. Right. So, imitations of imitations. This is what I've put. So, yes, there's a lot of creepy doll films. This one, Child's Play. The Mount of Child Plays, by the way. And Seed of Chucky and all that. Bride of Chucky, yada, yada, whatever. Then you've got Dolls. That's a film. Then you've got Doll Master, I think, if I remember right. There's Dolls versus Puppets or something. Uh, Evil Toy Box. There's obviously that South Korean one. Uh, there's Annabelle. There's also the Ventriloquist one. That's to do with the Ventriloquist that comes alive. The Ventriloquist dummy, sorry, comes alive. Yeah, yeah, all that. Obviously, there's the Ventriloquist dummy. Goosebumps, obviously. That's a big one. But, you know... So many, there's no original idea. And so, who cares? Okay? Another thing is location. It was actually filmed in Mexico. It was filmed in Mexico City. Really appreciate that. I always love it when they actually... And don't get me wrong, it's not like you watch and go, well, that's definitely Mexico City. Because they don't really show anything of the city because budgetary... I think there's only like maybe three locations, four at most. But I just appreciate that. I just like it when it says they went to this place, they're actually in this place. It's not some made up place. I hate when Marvel films, when they're like, oh, we're in some mid made up Eastern European country. It's like, oh, can we not? And also, it's always in, like Sokovia, really. It's like, it's either going to be what, Slovakia or Slovenia. Can you just pick one rather than going in between? But anyway, again, it's for another time. But all in all, I fair enjoy myself with this. Cheap, likeable, not very scary film. Which I think is a good warm-up to much scary affairs later on in your Halloween viewing. Um, so we'll go over numbers and then we'll do the best line and scene. Uh, a little bit of a change. Normally I do the numbers at the end, but we'll do that. So, again, now, now funny enough, this was supposed to be a straight-to-video release. But they actually did uh, do a limited release in cinemas. No numbers, though. No box office. No budget. Can't find that anywhere. Not even the weird Wikipedia someone just made it up chat. I've given it three and a half, a three out of five stars because I actually enjoy myself. There was a moment where I was bored. Um, I think if it was, I feel like if it was maybe twenty minutes longer, and it was on mostly to do the archaeological stuff, then I probably would have given it less of a rating. But they held back; they didn't go too nutsoid on that. So there you go. Um, but audience numbers. So on IMDb. Uh, three and a half, I, and I've put with some of them. I put the actual amount of people that voted. So four point seven out of ten liked it. My IMDb. That was three, just over three thousand people who voted in that. So it's just below average. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, on Amazon UK, four point six out of five. I didn't put how many people voted in that, but I'm like, that's pretty high. Uh, Google users seventy one percent liked it. Again, pretty high. Um, Rotten Tomatoes audience score, thirty four percent, and that's two and a half thousand people voted on that. So that really that again, not even great, but it's just funny. I just the disparaging numbers. That's the thing. It's whatever people consume, right? It's whatever people use as their platform. So some people who vote on Google 
but they won't be on Rotten Tomatoes or there'll be people who use Amazon but don't vote on IMDb, even though, funny enough, IMDb is owned by Amazon. But anyway, that's another story. So, best line. So, there's... So, there's only one, really. Although, you could say there's actually two, but for best line, by itself. And this was on all over IMDb and that. <laughs> so, basically, there's this guy. He's the night watchman. Or he's supposed to be closing up, but he ends up getting drink, drunk in the factory and he's talking to the dollies it's so silly this is so silly but you got all of it he goes you have a big head you know all women have a big head who knew right who knew that women all women have big heads crap you know i just like i, I don't know it's so stupid like really but anyway best scene so it's two so, basically, this could also go as best line. So, uh, you know, the film goes it's towards the end. Uh, showdown between Dolly with Jessica and Mum and the son. I can't remember what the son's called. I can't remember what Chris Demetral's character's called. I think it's a Jimmy. Jessica and Jimmy. That would make sense. Jesse and Jimmy. Yeah. Um, basically, he ends up getting the shotgun. Dolly just stood by the door. The daughters on top of the mum be like, I hate you, and punching her. It's pretty rough, like. And uh, he points to, he basically, he's fiddling about the shotgun. He finally gets it to work. He points at it on, he goes, and pardon my French, but he goes, play with this, bitch. Pow. Shoots her right through the door. It's excellent. That's not the end of the film, though, so I haven't spoiled the end. And then the other scene is more just a, it's an introduction to, oh, is there something up with Jesse, right? There's something up with her. The, the uh, well, at the same time that Dad's discovered the first dead body, technically the second, but what have you, the mum and the son are running around looking for Jesse. There's a storm, rain, wind everywhere, the, and they they finally, she thinks that she's in the dollhouse, and she runs before she gets to the dollhouse. She gets to the room with the patio doors, I guess, swung open, wind and rain flying in, and there's Jesse, just stood there with her hair flailing around with Dolly. Just out of shot behind the dining table, but stood right next to Jesse, and the mum's just stood there with her face flashing up with the lightning, with Chris Demetral in the background with his face being like, <gasps> you know, um, Jessica just stood there. It's just great. It's like, oh, okay, we're down. There's something going on here. It ain't no made up thing. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, Halloween episode in the can. Now, before I finish up, um, I will say that the drawing for this episode is going to be a little bit rushed and rough, uh, just because, um, you know, I did want a piece out of it, I haven't made one for it yet, um, but I will make one, but I'll just have to make it a sort of quick one, and that'd be that. But anyway, um, I've got other stuff that I wanted to ask and maybe survey or whatever, but I'll put that at the top of the next episode because, you know, it's a Halloween special. You don't need all that. Um, so, yeah. So, next time we will do Toy Soldiers, I promise. But have yourselves a great Halloween. Trick, and treat, trick or treat till your heart's content. Uh, keep safe, you know. Don't be daft. With yourself or with others. And much love. Cheerio! Oh, I'm
Gentle Park, Alexis.